I was really excited about my message all week, and then after I put it together, I was like, well, what was I so excited about? But uh, I hope and pray that uh, God, oh, Children's Church can go with uh, Miss Susie, I'm sorry. I knew I was forgetting something. It's because I'm an immature 46-year-old. <clears throat> you can look to my family for backup, to back me up on that. I really just have two, you know, two thoughts I want to leave with you today. And so I hope, hope I get those two thoughts across. But this text is kind of a strange text to begin with, but we'll do it nonetheless. 2 Samuel 21.10. Then Rizpah, daughter of A-I-H. I don't even know how you would say that. We're just going to call him Ah. Then Rizpah, daughter of Ah, the mother of two men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. The word of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for the scripture. God, I pray in these next few moments, God, as we look into your word, God, that we would be transformed by it. God, that that it would act as a mirror as we know it does, that we would see ourselves for who we really are, but then that we would also see Jesus for who he really is. God, I pray that you would um, speak to us today. Through it, hide me behind the cross. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. If you were here last week, you know that Pastor Walker spoke about calling, our calling in life, our calling in relationship to to God and, and his calling on us. I was not here. I was out of town last week, but I watched uh, the service, and I found myself amening and getting excited at a lot of parts, especially when he started talking about how that the most important people in the church are the ones out there, because that is so true. The called people of the church, the called are the ones who are sitting down right now. Yes, I believe that there's a calling on my life too, but I'm just one person holding a mic. Probably shouldn't be. <laughs> but the called people, the backbones, the real movers and shakers of this church are sitting down right now. Amen. The movers and shakers of this church, the people who are going to transform the world yeah. are sitting down. I love that. And, and, you know, I, I was hoping that he would be a little bit more disparaging to, toward those who were holding the microphones. He was, he was trying, he was, he was being self-deprecating, but he was trying to be respectful of me. I wish he wouldn't have done that. So next time, just go right at me. But the people who are going to make a difference in this world, I mean, I, I'm just looking around. It's Marissa with her patients, or Tony with her students, or... or you at your job. Your calling is not, well, I'm not called to preach, or I can't play the piano, or I can't. And I know I'm rehashing because my, my message is going to kind of play off of last week a little bit. So, you know, when you're, when you're watching a, uh, when you're binging Netflix, and then the beginning of the next episode, they kind of, kind of got to rehash what happened. Well, this is kind of that. So there's no skip intro button, though. So... <laughs> <laughs> I know you, some of you are wishing they were fast forward or skip to end. You're stuck with me. 
the real called, the real messengers, the people who are going to change the world are you. And yeah, you might not go across the ocean, but you're going to change your world. You're called to your world. And I don't mean to keep rehashing last week. Listen to last week's message. It was fantastic. So as part of our calling, we are called into this world, right? The world where we live. Go into all the world, and and Pastor Walker talked last week a little bit about how it's as you go into the world. As you go into the world, take the gospel with you. Transform your world. And we are called up into this life that is a life with Christ and life with one another. This calling that God has on our life. It's a life with him and a life with one another. And so as I was thinking about my message and how to present it today a little bit, I started thinking about, and I'm going to age myself a little bit, and some of you won't know what I'm talking about. Does anybody remember Casey Kasem? I'm Casey Kasem. I can't even do the, and this is the top 40. Or uh, one I used to listen to, Caleb used to play uh, 20 the Countdown magazine with John Rivers and his lovely wife, Sherry. So these, there's these charts, right? Well, it used to be back when Casey Kasem started, there was one chart. Now there's just so many charts. You've got R&B. You've got, I mean, even in the, in the, under the Christian heading, there's Christian, contemporary Christian, gospel, southern gospel. There's just so many different charts, right? So many different headings. There's, then there's R&B and... Um, country and outlaw country and you know there's just so many charts there's just and, and so it's hard for somebody to stay at the top of the charts is what I'm saying well the music isn't industry isn't the only one split into so many fan clubs because the church is too the church has a lot of fan clubs when we should only be fans of one. And not just fans, but followers. There's a, there's a great book called Not a Fan. Which, so I'm not referencing just thinking of Christ as someone you admire from afar, but someone you follow. But there are so many, so many Christians are fanboys of so many other things than Jesus. When we're called to be fans of Jesus. First Peter, you know the introduction in First Peter says, you guys are living as exiles because that's what you are. And that's what we as Christians are. We're Christians, right? I'm a Christian. If you're in here this morning, I think you're a Christian. If not, hopefully by the time the service is over, you'll bow your head, close your eyes, repeat after me, and you'll be able to... <laughs> I jest. There's more to being a Christian than saying a prayer for 30 seconds. Being a Christian, while we're here, is being a follower of Jesus. It does start with a prayer, I believe, and does start with inviting Christ into your heart. But so many Christians are so divided, and right now especially, over different leaders, 
over different, different issues. See, a lot of us, the top of our charts are, are issues. I mean, if you want to talk to us about Jesus, that's fine, we'll get to that. But first, we're going to talk to you about what's important to us. What do you start most conversations with? I mean, guilty, I love the Chiefs. I talk to people about the Chiefs a lot. It's time for them to move down the charts. After spending 52 weeks at number one, no, the Kansas City Chiefs have... Does nobody remember Casey Kasem? <laughs> it's time for Jesus to move back to the top of the chart. Because we'll talk, to, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about masks, we'll talk about vaccines, we'll talk about politics. We'll make sure everybody gets our, you better know how I feel about this. I'll get to you about Jesus. You know, he's just a little pet. Jesus is a little pet I have. He gave me a one-way ticket to heaven, and that's all fine and good. You just stand back there, Jesus. I've got life figured out. I'm going to go ahead and live life on my terms. I'm going to go ahead and treat people how I want to treat people, people who disagree with me. Boy, this will slap you in the face when you start talking this way because I was in Hy-Vee Deli Line two Sundays ago right after I said a few things like this, and I'd been standing there 10 minutes. I know. And, you know, no fault of, the, no fault of this worker's own. He was running, he was making sandwiches for people over here. He was trying to work daily for people over here. So I was waiting patiently in line until some guy, I mean, there was clearly a line. Person getting their lunch meat, and then me, I was next. <laughs> and he walks up, puts his hand on the counter. I mean, and he looks at me and then looks back at the guy and is like, I need half a pound of Swiss. And he's like, oh, she's next. Oh, so he helps her. And my wife comes over, and she's like, oh, you still in line here? And I'm like, uh-huh. And I, I'm like, I don't normally get like this. I'm confessing my faults one to another so that I'll be healed, as James says. It's my first chance to do this. And I said, yeah, still waiting in line. Been standing here 10 minutes. I'm next in line. I wanted to make sure he heard who was next in line. And that's done, and the guy says, who, who's next? He said, I need a half a pound of Swiss and a half a pound of ham. And let me tell you, I, I normally don't get upset about things. And it was everything I could do to not lose my mind <laughs> about his half a pound of Swiss and half a pound of ham. In the grand scheme of life, did that change anything about my life? No. But I was ready to do some damage with my tongue. My tongue was just this close to becoming a fire that James talks about that burns the whole world down. I mean, it was going to be 45 years of holding, biting my tongue when I knew I should was just going to come out on this guy. I mean... And thank God for my wife, because as I said loudly to her, as I'm talking really loud to her, she's like, were you in church this morning? Did you hear that message this morning? <laughs> Honey, you, you want to go ahead and finish. I'll just wait for this. You, I'm going to take care of this. Where, how did I start on this story? I don't even remember what we were talking about. 
when, when Jesus is top of our chart, when Jesus is number one, we can overlook little things. We can be patient. I mean, what are the fruits of the Spirit? The fruits of the Spirit were not being manifest in me at that moment. And what is it that draws that stuff out of you? Because it's not everything. Everybody doesn't bother you, but certain people do. Right? I mean, there's lots of crazy, weird people in this world, but all of them don't bother you. What is it about those certain ones that bother you, that bring that up in you? The guy who thinks he doesn't have to wait in line like everybody else. What is it about that that stirs something up in me that's trying to speak to me? Because if he'd have stole that ham and Swiss, I'd have been like, eh, hy has got plenty of money. <laughs> but when he didn't want to wait, so... I don't know how we got here. This is not in my notes, I promise. But while we're here, pay attention to those things that drive you crazy, that get you mad, that bring you to that. And then ask God, God, what is it about me you're trying to tell me and teach me about that? Okay. Whew. Shout out to Hy-Vee. I did get my um, pineapple ham, and it was almost worth the wait. <laughs> Jesus should be number one. He should be at the top of our chart. And when we get distracted, then we lose our calling that Walker talked about last week. Because our calling is to be the hands and the feet of Jesus everywhere we go. And when we get distracted, then we lose out on our calling. We miss opportunities to be that. All right, 1 Corinthians 1.10 says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. And then this question that Paul asks them, is Christ divided? Oh, he's fine. Anybody have a lap timer? <laughs> Is Christ divided? Paul says. Then he says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus. <laughs> Crispus. What a name. <laughs> it was crispy. And uh, Gaius. So none of you can say that you were baptized in my name, but I also did baptize the household of uh, Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to be baptized, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And in this way, I share with Paul that I do not preach the gospel with wisdom or eloquence. That's a way, that's where you're supposed to laugh. That was a joke. You weren't all supposed to say, agree with me, but well, that didn't go over very well. I apologize. The question he asked, though, is Christ divided? If Christ is not divided, then why are we divided? And we're not divided about spiritual leaders. We're divided about political leaders in the Christian world. See, we forget that we are just strangers here, that we are foreigners ourselves. Because as we follow Christ, we have a king. We don't need anybody else. 
And what happens in Washington and Jefferson City, and yes, we should, we should know what's going on and we should be informed and good stud- er, students, citizens. But our king is settled. The king is settled. And that's not changing. That's not ever going to change. In, in, I've used this illustration before, but the, the, the uh, cornerstone of this building says 1979. In 1979, uh, Jimmy Carter was still in office. Margaret Thatcher was prime minister of Great Britain. And all those offices have changed. But the office of King of Kings and Lord of Lords has not changed. It has not changed, and it will not change. So no matter what comes or doesn't come, Jesus is Lord. And yes, we are concerned. And yes, we pray for our leaders. And yes, we pray for leaders around the world. But his kingdom is coming. And that's the kingdom I'm concerned about. And that's where I'm going to spend all of my energy. So I'll talk to you about politics if you want to talk. But it's not going to be the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Or at least it shouldn't be. Jesus should be. Is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? And as I was reading this, and, and Paul gives us a great picture of, of what it means to belong to a church when he starts talking about Paul. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought sometimes Walker will correct me from the front row. So I thought that's what he was doing there. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm thankful for it. It's a resource that I use. But Paul will give us a great picture of, of the body of Christ, how the, some of us are ears, some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some are mouths, some are noses. And he says, can the ear say to the nose, well, because I'm not a nose, I'm no good? No. And so the body should not be divided. And the problem is we have a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of people, who say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, I can be a Christian and don't have to be part of a body. I don't have to go to church. Well, then you're just an ear walking around. Or you're just a big toe. I mean, that specifically is mentioned. Paul says, can everybody be a big toe? Or you're an elbow. That's not how it's designed to be. We're designed to fit together like a body and to be on mission. The body is not divided. Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, make them one. Father, make them one. And that's a prayer that I don't know that's been answered yet. Why are we divided? I mean, Brother Paul and I, we talk about this all the time, about how that there's so many denominations. So many denominations. We're a Pentecostal church. There's something along the line of 2,000 different Pentecostal denominations. How are we going to explain that to Jesus when we get to heaven? Oh, well, they, uh, they, they like to wear robes when they preach, so uh, we're not really into that. Or, well, they, they just, they, they use instruments that, you know, you know, I have no scripture to back up not using drums, but they use drums in their church, so are they, so we have to divide. That we have one uniter, and that is Jesus Christ. And if you tell me that you love Jesus Christ and you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are my brother or sister. 
regardless of what cloth you wear or what church you attend. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then we are family. We are a body. And it's time for us to come together in the big church, yes, but in the little church too, in our church. We have to be unified. We have to be one. We can't have divisions among us. And it's, hard, it's easy to do, especially in 2021 when, when all of us are so busy and there's so much to do for the kingdom. The enemy wants to distract us, get Jesus off the top chart. And then he, then he can bring division. Because if Jesus isn't my number one, if... Man, I just don't want to plow too close to anybody's row this morning. Uh, let me think of something ridiculous. If, uh, if I only like blue cars, and I think, I mean, you can't be a Christian and drive anything but a blue car. I know that's ridiculous, but sub, sub in what you've heard other people say. Then you show up to church in a red car, oh. <laughs> and then try to come in the door, you know. We get divided about things. That's, that's a stupid illustration, but it's true because we do it with other things. Yes, we, do. we do. And we lose sight of the king of kings. Yes. It's time to dethrone some kings. Mm-hmm. Pastor Walker referenced Isaiah 6 last week. And the beginning of that says, when King Uzziah died, in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. And some of us need to get some kings off some thrones so that we can actually see the Lord. It's time for King Uzziah or whatever king is on your throne. It's time for him to die and time for him to go so that Jesus can be elevated to a throne. Because then you'll see the Lord high and lifted up and his train will fill the temple. And then he'll say to you, who will go? And you can say, here I am, send me. But when when we're parading around with everything else on the throne of our hearts... then his train can't fill the temple because we've got propaganda in there. We've got signs that say blue cars. Oh, Oh, Bradley, why do you get yourself in so much trouble? Is Christ divided? Is his body divided? No, we are called to be the body of Christ and wrapped up in that Calling is ministering to the whole world while being united to one another. And I don't know why I feel like I was supposed to preach on this. I don't think we have any disunity in this church. When, when I opened my eyes and I saw that there were people gathered around other people praying for them this morning, that's what we do. When somebody's hurting, if you have a problem, that becomes my problem. If you, if you don't have food on your table, that becomes an issue in my house. If you can't pay your electric bill, that becomes, one, that becomes an issue for all of us. And if you've been in this church very long, you know that that's true. That's, that's what we do. We try to follow the biblical example set out in Acts, the second chapter, that, they, uh, that no one had any needs because the needs became one of each other. And that if somebody had a great need then, and somebody had an extra cow, they'd sell the cow and meet the need. And that's, that's our goal, right? 
But if we're not careful, we can let little divisions come in. And if I'm not careful, I can let little divisions come in. And how that happens is that I put something else at the top of my chart. I put somebody else on the throne or something else. And I try to just, oh, Jesus, just come down for a minute. Just go over there for just a minute and let me get this done. Let me get, take care of this guy at the deli counter, Jesus. And then I promise, you'll be right back on the throne. I'll go out to the car, I'll feel bad about it, but the damage will be done. I don't know what I was going to say to him. <laughs> what could I say? <laughs> oh, I was next. It's not fair. And that's a silly example, but, but they're, those are going to come up with you this week. And you're going you're gonna to either let Jesus stay on the throne or you're going to summon him down for a minute and say, I got this. Man, I, ooh, I, was, I was so mad when Sally was right about that. <laughs> when she was like, this is exactly what you were talking about in church. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure that's what it was? I don't think that's right. It was. It was exactly what I was talking about. I say it all the time. The waitress or the cashier. Or I, I say it all the time, and then it happens. I'm rambling. I know. My, here's my two points that I wanted to get across. It's time to put Jesus back at the top of the chart. Because the only way you're going to live out this calling that Pastor Walker talked about last week is if Jesus is number one. And Jesus is on the throne of your heart. And number two... The body can't be divided. We can't be divided. The overall body needs to, needs to get it together. Churches need to work together. That's, I mean, Jesus wept in the garden. He has to weep when he sees how churches so stay so divided. And they won't work together. God, start it with us. Start it in this church. I've got this in my notes. I think it's worth reading. Oh, I already said that about the sports teams. Like, it's time, if we spend as much energy and time fighting, uh, fighting for diversity, or not for diversity, for unity as we do over political or doctrinal differences, there's no telling what we could accomplish. Our charts are all messed up. We've got sports teams at the top or political figures at the top. There is a divisive nastiness that, comes, that, that, that I see that comes out of Christians these days. And it is not Christ-like at all. Sharon Miller, she's a theologian. I think she hits it on the head. She says, there's a type of Christianity that does not know who it is apart from being embattled. Its identity comes from its opposition to others, not its abiding in Christ. And we know it by what it talks about most. If the Apostle Paul were to write you a letter today and tell you not to be divided, what would he tell you to get off the throne of your heart? What would he talk to you about? I got a picture I sent... Uh, Chris, I don't know if you got a chance to 
get it or not. I don't know if you can see it, so I'll, I'll explain it. You probably can't read it. This, what is kind of horn is that? Anybody know? Anybody in band? Tuba. That's a tuba. This, this person is labeled as a Christian. This person is labeled people who need to hear the gospel. And then on the tuba is written conspiracy theories. Because the only thing the Christian is blowing to the person who needs to hear the gospel is not the gospel. I just saw that and thought it was funny. There's a world out there that needs to hear about Jesus. And yes, in your conversation with them, if something else comes up, fantastic. And yeah, I'm not telling you to walk up to strangers and just say, do you know Jesus? (laughs) Have you met Jesus? Because they're going to run. If a stranger did that to me, I'm a pastor, I'd back up. (laughs) I'd be like, easy. (laughs) But you show Jesus. It's been said that a person doesn't care what you have to say until they know that you care. Right? So I'm not telling you to walk up to a complete stranger and lead with that. Show somebody you care about them. Live like Jesus lived to them. Talk, talk about things like grace and mercy and justice. There's a world that needs Jesus. I mean, do we have the answer or don't we? I believe we do. Right? I believe we do. But we waste so much time on things that don't matter. I, I could go on and on all day. Some of you are saying, and I thought you did. We are exiles in this world. We're foreigners. We are foreigners in this world. I mean, if we believe the Bible, we're foreigners. I believe the Bible. If we get too attached, too entangled in the things of this world, then those things go number one on our chart. I, I talked a little bit about politics uh, before. You know, 10 years ago, I was really into politics. I would say that was pretty, pretty high on my chart. Then I came to the realization that politicians are liars. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> they're all selfish. <laughs> and they're all greedy. And so, yes, be an educated voter. Find out what the issues are. And vote your conscience as a Christian. But don't put hope there. My hope is built, as the hymn says, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And no matter if uh, Billy Graham was president of the United States, my hope would not be there. Or it shouldn't be. It should be in Jesus. We get distracted. The throne of our heart, we pull Jesus down. We wrestle Jesus down and push other people up there. Man. Didn't know I was going to get in so much trouble. Here's my two points. It's time to put Jesus back at the top of the chart. Time to dethrone our idols And it's only as he is Lord of our life that we can fulfill this calling that God has on our life that Pastor Walker talked about last night, last week, last night. 
There's a calling on each and every one of our lives. I believe that. I said that I started with that. Is that your calling's more important than mine? I believe that. I believe that the calling of the of the, the person in the pew is more important. Because I, I think about I think about Table Rock Lake or Lake of the Ozarks, how it has so many fingers that go out and reaches so many different and that's like the people of the church. You go to places that I can't go. You have audiences that, that I'll never get. You can touch people that I'll never touch. And if you can be Jesus to them, then you're fulfilling your calling. But if somebody else is on the throne of your heart, then you're not fulfilling your calling. It, doesn't, it won't allow you to be Jesus to them. God will not share a throne. We sang, show me your glory. Moses said, God, show me your glory. God said, Moses, you can't handle my glory. <laughs> he wasn't Jack Nicholas. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle my glory. Moses said, hide me then and let me take a peek. That's what I want. I want a peek of God's glory. I want to put him on the throne of my heart. All right, so my two points, dethrone King Uzziah or whatever it is that is running your life. And then don't be divided with one another. If there's someone that you need to offer forgiveness to in this room, then offer forgiveness. If there's someone that you need to ask for forgiveness in this room, then ask for forgiveness. If there's someone outside of this room that you know that you have wronged, and you need to ask for forgiveness, ask them for forgiveness. Jesus himself said, if you come to bring a gift to God and have aught in your brother, set your gift down, go make it right, and then come back. If there's people outside of this room that you need to ask for forgiveness, ask them. If there's people you need to forgive, forgive them. And make that known. It's hard. It's hard being a Christian. It's hard being a Christian and living right and not going off on the guy in the deli or not, and, and, not uh, and forgiving people who don't deserve forgiveness and asking for forgiveness when you need to ask for forgiveness. That's hard. That's why Jesus said there's few that find it. Narrow is the way and few there be that find it. He said that right after he gave us the golden rule. Go back and read it. He gives us the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated. And then he said narrow is the way and few there be that find it. All right. Man, have I been shouting a lot this morning? I feel like I've been screaming a lot. I don't mean to. <laughs> In my mind, this was going to be a happy message, but I'm still mad at myself for getting so mad at the deli. All right. Don't let the body of Christ be divided. As much as lies within you, live at peace with all men. Do whatever you can to not let the body of Christ be divided. That story I read at the beginning about Rizpah. Rizpah could not do anything to save those people. The seven sons of Saul had been given over to the Gibeonites as a peace offering. They were all killed and put on a stake. Rizpah was mother to two of those boys. And she went out there and slept and stayed there day and night throughout the whole harvest season. 
and would not let the wild animals attack their bodies. We need a few more rizpas. We need some rizpas that says, not on my watch, you're not going to attack my brother and sister in Christ. Or devil, you're not going to get to them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to build them up. I'm going to forgive them when they need forgiven. We need some rizpas. God, make me a rizpa. She, she, she did what she could to protect. And she didn't just protect her own boys. She protected the five others. We only see her two times in Scripture. She wasn't even... A, she wasn't even a, a wife of Saul. She was a concubine. But she was determined. And the king heard about what she did. He tried to make it right. All right, let's be a rispa. I'm going to ask um, the band if they'll come back up. We're going to go into a time of communion.